Good morning, everyone. Good morning. It's good to be here today with you. And um, hey, we have 120 women on a women's retreat. And I'm looking out, and I'm like, the men did it. They actually showed up for church without their wives. Let's give the men a big hand. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Hey, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And I want to ask you one question. The question I want to ask you today is, what's the one thing in your life that is the most important thing? What is the most important thing in your life? What is the one thing that you're living for? What matters the most to you? Now, if you say the thing that matters the most to you is yourself, then you're going to be highly disappointed as a Christian. Because the truth is, you weren't born again. You didn't come to know Christ just so that you can consume Jesus and consume the blessings of God for yourself. But God saved you, God redeemed you because He loved you and He's equipped you and give you the Holy Spirit for one reason. So that you can be consumed with the very thing that Jesus was consumed with. And what is Jesus consumed with? Even today, as He's seated at the right hand of the Father in glory, what's on Jesus' mind? When He came to earth, what was He consumed with? What did He have a passion for? Let me tell you, he had a passion for people. That's it. He was passionate about people. Where people would spend eternity was important to Jesus. How people could reconnect with God was important to Jesus. People facing a Christless eternity in hell was important to Jesus. And if we are Christians and we love the Lord and we know what God has done in our lives, then we will be consumed with the very thing that Jesus was consumed with. We will be consumed with souls, lost souls, people, needy people. And if we really believe that Jesus can transform people's lives, then we will believe today that our mission is clear. Now Jesus said in Mark chapter 16 verse 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Now he didn't mean that you have to be baptized to be saved. But what he meant was is that when you're born again and you've really been saved, the first thing you will do is get water baptized because you want to make a public declaration to the world that you've given your life to Jesus. And the Bible says, he that does not believe is already condemned. So we understand, number one, that the mission is very clear. Jesus said, here's the mission, go. Now I want you to know I looked up the word in the Greek for go, and you know what it means? Go. <laughs> it means to simply go. Take the first step and go and do it. You know why? Because the truth is the church is really good at coming. The church has got that down. When you throw a party, the church comes. When you have food, the church comes. The church understands what it's like to get up on Sunday morning and come to a service and sit down and listen. We're really good at the coming, but God says you've really got to get better at the going. 
See, now events are not bad. And I'm really excited about some of the, the events that we have for Easter. I'm thrilled that we have an Easter bash, and I want to encourage you. Please take a few cards with you and give them out and let your children invite their friends. We've got to learn how to teach our children how to lead people to Christ. Come on, somebody. And events are important. Jesus had some big events in his life. Jesus fed the 5,000 men plus children and women. There must have been about 25,000 people. That's a pretty good, sizable event. So that there are events in the Bible, there were strategic events in the Bible. But every time Jesus had a major event, he always had that major event so people could be transformed so that they can go back into the world. As the Bible says, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Preach the gospel to all creation. And so Jesus is calling us to go. Now I have to be honest with you. I'm going I'm to share my heart with you th this morning. You know, we have about 2,000 people that say they come to Bethlehem Assembly of God. And you know what? I go on Facebook and I, and I, and I put down some important events that we're having. Always look on Facebook. Go on my Facebook account and, and and look at my Facebook and, and you'll see some of the major events that we're having. And so a couple of weeks ago, I, 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 we started planning this event. And I put it on last week that we are going to go out on the street and we're going to invite people to come to the Easter bash that we're having. I mean, it's going to be incredible. A carnival, face painting. We have a Christian illusionist. Have a lot of great things for the children. And the children, when they come, the parents come with them. And so we're going to invite them to our Easter services because we want them to come to an event so that they might come to know Christ as their Savior so that they can go back into the world and reach more and more people. And yesterday I was waiting. I thought, wow, I know I put it on Facebook. I know we, we sent out a big email blast and 15 people showed up. And I thought to myself, whoa, if we said there's free food, a whole lot of people would come. If we said there's going to be a party, a whole lot of people would show up. Now, I know that some of you are really busy. And if you're already really, really busy and you're doing a lot in the church, don't, don't feel bad. All right? I don't want to make you feel bad because I'm laying it on really thick right now. And some of you are feeling really bad. But you know what? If you do a lot in the church, don't feel bad. It's the rest of you who do nothing. I want you to feel really bad. I do. Because the truth is, we're better together and we can reach more people. And you know, it was so awesome yesterday. I have to tell you, I went out. I said, you know, if, if I'm going to tell people to get out on the street, then this 50-year-old pastor needs to get out on the street, get his jeans on. Well, I always wear jeans now. <laughs> And get out on the street with my sneakers on and just go out and invite people. And so what we did is we put these invite cards with candy in the invite cards. And we gave out 2,000 of these cards. 15 of us gave out 2,000 of these cards. That's pretty good, right? But I had a blast doing it. Man, I got to meet people. One little girl. I, 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 listen, this was so cool. And I'll never forget how important this is because of this one encounter that I had with this one family. A grandma and a mother and a little daughter. She's about eight years old. And I saw them coming and I put my smile on. I said, hi, I want to invite you to this incredible carnival that we're going to have for the kids. And um, we're going to have a lot of great stuff. It's all free. And I noticed that this lady that had a daughter, she kind of looked like she didn't have a whole lot of money. She had a coat on, but it was ripped. I felt like taking my coat off and giving it to her. But, and, and, and you know what? The little girl looked at me and she said, 
it's free? She said, wow. She goes, and you're going to give me some candy? Oh, thank you. And a total stranger. She came and hugged me. She said, thank you. Thank you, mister. And I thought to myself, this is what it's all about. I mean, this is what Christianity is all about. Not coming and listening, but going and loving. Come on, somebody say amen. Going and inviting, as Jesus said, go into the highways and byways and compel them to come in that my house may be full. That my house may be filled. And you know what? We do good at filling churches, but I wonder, are we really doing a good job at filling heaven? Because our job, our mission is so clear. Jesus said, go. The mission is clear. That God is telling to all of us today that our job is to take one step at a time. You know, my daughter Julia, who's the director of the children's ministry, she's shy. And it's really hard for her to get out on the street and do those kind of things. But, you know, this morning we were talking and she said, Dad, she says, it's amazing. It's just that first step. It just takes that first step of faith to get out there. And then the Holy Spirit begins to work through me. And I put a smile on my face and God begins to work through my life. Come on, somebody. So the mission is clear. We need to go. Go where? Well, the mission is to everywhere. Not just here. Not just around the world. But everywhere we go. And here's the great thing. The great thing is tomorrow morning, hundreds of you will get up tomorrow morning and you will go to different places. How many of you work in different places than your family works? Come on, let me see your hands. Wow. And the truth is, all of us will go somewhere tomorrow. Can you imagine Christians understanding that when they get up in the morning that their mission is clear that we're to go into all the world and we're to represent Christ and on our hearts and in our spirits we know that there's somebody that we work with there's somebody that we go to school with that needs to know about the love of Jesus in their life and God is sending all of us out tomorrow morning to do the work of sharing with God with people how loving God is in our life that's incredible I mean think of the possibility in this room right here I mean I look out at all of you today and I see potential I see incredible, look at me, come on, everybody look at me for a moment, just, just look. <laughs> I see incredible potential in this room, that if we can get this right, if we can understand that every one of us have been called to go, not just the pastor, not just the evangelist, but that the Holy Spirit has come upon each and every one of us and that we all have a mission to go everywhere, to go to our neighbors. It takes courage. It takes discipline. It takes compassion. As the Bible says, Jesus was moved with compassion. The mission is to preach the gospel. So it's clear where to go everywhere and where to preach the gospel. Now let me, I want you to, in your bulletins today, I gave you a handout. I want you to take that out and find somewhere. It's not on your, your notes. I want you to find somewhere because I'm just, something's coming to my mind right now. I want you to write this down. You see, a lot of times we go out and we share about our church. We share about different things, but we don't share the gospel. Now notice, Jesus said, go into all the world and what? And preach the what? The gospel. In the Greek, the word for gospel is good news. 
Go out and tell the good news. Go tell as many people as you can. That's your job. Your job is to get it out there. Just tell people the good news. But so often we don't know what the good news really is. So I'm going to tell you what the good news is. Are you ready? The good news isn't just simply that God loves them. Because they're not going to know what God you're talking about. The good news isn't simply that if they die without Jesus, they're going to go to hell. It's part of it, but it's not the good news. So what is the good news? I want you to write this down. Number one, man is a sinner. All of us have sinned. Romans 3, 23. Write that down. Man is a sinner. Number two, write this down. Man cannot earn his way to heaven through good works. Write that down. Man and, you know, men and women cannot earn their way to heaven through good works. Romans 6.23 The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Number three, man needs a savior. Man needs a savior. Why do we need a savior? Because all have sinned. Now let me just real quick throw this out to you. God gave us the law to show us that we can't do it without a Savior. So I want you to write underneath that point, I want you to write down the law. The law. Why did God give us the law? God gave us the Ten Commandments so that we could look at the Ten Commandments and realize we can't do this. How many of you have ever lied before? Raise your hands. Okay, the rest of you that your hands are not up, you're lying. What does that make you? A liar. The law has been given to us to show us that we can't do it without a savior. How many of you have ever stolen something? Raise your hands. Okay, the rest of you didn't raise your hands. Now you're lying again. Because sometimes we steal somebody's good name by talking bad about them. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we steal the glory from God that only belongs to God. Sometimes we use the name of the Lord in vain. We steal the name of the Lord. Right? How many of you have ever wanted to do something? If you knew that you could get away with it, you'd do it. Raise your hands. Come on, everybody. All right, some of you are still lying. You didn't raise your hand. Jesus said, here's the nine commandments. The ten commandment is you don't even want to do it in your heart. Thou shalt not lust. Covet, right? So all of us are in the same boat. We need a Savior. When you're talking to somebody about the gospel, you need to show them that they're sinners. Now, you don't have to tell them they're a sinner, you're a sinner. Just ask them a question. Have you ever lied before? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever used the name of the Lord in vain? Have you ever wanted to do something? If you could get away with it, you'd do it. Well, that makes you a liar, a thief. And as a result of that, you sin against the perfect God. What in the world do you have to give back to make up for your sin? Nothing. So all men need a Savior. Number four, God gave us the answer. God gave us the answer through His Son, Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Romans 6.23 Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It's not by works lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. I want you to write that down. It's a gift. So when you're presenting the gospel to people, you've got to present it in a way that they understand that it's a gift. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. 
Pull out your car keys. Say, I want to give you my car. If they know it's a bomb, that's not going to work. But the truth of the matter is, you could say, I want to give you this car. And when they go to grab the key, you could say to them, wait, 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 wait. first you have to give me $100. Is that a gift? No. no. First you have to wash it. No. Is that a gift? No. It comes with no strings attached. Amen. That's the good news. That Jesus Christ died on the cross so we can have the gift of eternal life. Number five, you must receive this gift through faith. Through faith. And number six, to every person who receives it, to every man who receives it, write that down, God makes us his children. John 1.12. John 1.12. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and read those verses that I gave to you right next to the points. Get it into your heart. Get it into your spirit. Get the order right in your spirit so that when somebody asks you, why are you so happy? Why do you go to that church? Why do you feel good about life? You could say, this is why. Here's the gospel. This is who I was. This is what God did for me. This is how I accepted Christ as my Savior. That's the gospel. Go clear the mission. Into where? Everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the othermost parts of the world, right? And preach the what? The gospel. Okay, why? Because Jesus says the consequences are incredible for people who either receive the gospel or reject the gospel. Notice what he says. And he who believes and receives and is baptized, what? Shall have what? He shall be saved. But those who do not believe, what? They shall be eternally condemned. That's the consequences. Always keep that in your mind that there are incredible consequences for us keeping our mouth shut and not speaking. Why? Because people's destiny, eternal lives, are dependent on whether or not they understand and receive the gospel. Incredible consequences. Now I read so much of the Bible so often and I love to read the book of James and one day I'm telling you what I am going to preach a message a series of messages through the book of James I love the book of James it's so practical and I've read this verse over and over and yet it never hit me like it hit me I mean I'm telling you I'm like whoa God I have a responsibility I want you to turn to James chapter 5 James chapter 5 Verse 20, James 5.20. Listen what it says. James goes through his whole book and he talks about compassion. He talks about love. He talks about reaching people. He says that pure religion is to reach out to the orphans and the widows. And, and why do we do these things? Why do we go out on the street? Why do we compel people to come in? Why do we have these events? Why do we go into our workplace and, and share the love of Jesus with other people? James tells us why. He says this. He says, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from their error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. Wow! I mean, this just rocked my world. That when I turn a sinner away from their error and their ways, that I'm saving them from death. Separation from God. Eternal damnation. That I'm offering them the answer to life. And not only that, but listen to me. This is what really got me. He said, and if you save them from death, 
you will cover over a multitude of sins in their life. And I thought to myself, when I was 19 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. And as a result of giving my life to Jesus, I've made some incredibly wise decisions in my life. And I thank God today that at 19, I gave my life to Jesus. And as a result of that, I learned the principles of God in my life. And God has saved me from some really stupid decisions in my life. Some dumb mistakes in my life. Why? Because when you're a sinner, when you do the wrong thing, you reap the wrong consequences. And this is what this is saying here. It's saying when you open your mouth and you share the gospel with somebody else and they give their lives to the Lord, their whole life changes. Their decisions change. And now they're going to be blessed. Now they're going to stay home with their family. Now they're going to love their wife, their husband. Now I know there's no work for everybody that's a Christian because they're still, you know, we call it an Italian, gabadost, you know, what I'm talking about our hard head but the truth of the matter is that you wouldn't be here today and your life wouldn't be blessed unless one day somebody led you to the Lord and as a result of that you gave your life to the Lord and you started to make good decisions in your life and that's the reason why you're so blessed today and I think to myself man there's a young person if I can get through to them and God's Spirit can touch them man I can save that teenager from making some incredibly stupid decisions in their life. I was in the foundations class last Wednesday night. And I've been incredibly busy lately. Doing some work on my house. Pastoring a church and overseeing about 200 churches in the metro region. And kind of feeling a little tired. Dragged myself to church on Wednesday night. Sat down on a stool and I asked people in the, in the, in the class... Does anybody have a God story? I call them God stories. We used to call them testimonies. Does anybody have a really good God story? 24-year-old young lady. She raised her hand in the class. And she said, Pastor Steve, I've been waiting a little bit to tell you this. She said it in front of the whole class. She says, but a couple of weeks ago, you stopped the whole class. And you took questions. And I asked you the question. She said, I'm dating a non-believer. She says, and... Should I be dating non-believer? And I said to her, I said, let's see what the Word of God says about it. So we opened up the scriptures and I showed her. She said, Pastor Steve, I was so convicted. She said, it wasn't a good relationship. I just couldn't get out of it. But when you gave me the Word of God, you handed me this book on making major decisions. I knew what I needed to do. And I let go of that relationship. I've been so happy. My life is different. And I thought to my, I wanted to cry. I thought to myself, here's a 24-year-old young girl who could have married the wrong person who didn't love the Lord Jesus Christ, been in an abusive relationship, and on and on and on. And her life could have gone down the wrong road. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. But she chose life. Hallelujah. And I have a part in that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's why I get up in the morning. That's why I do what I do. That's why we love people. That's why we share. That's why we open our mouth. That's why we care about people. Because we know that if we give them the answers to life that's found in the Word of God, their whole life can change. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. God forbid that we would water down the consequences. It takes... It takes courage. And why should we have this sense of urgency? Because time is short, friends. I'm telling you, time is short. The clock is ticking. And time is short. And people are dying and going into a Christless hell. And not only that, 
But if we keep our mouths shut and we remain silent, then evil will overtake our country, our nation, and unfortunately even our churches. But we must speak up and we must clearly reach out to those that don't know the Lord because we can change history. Not, not just world history, but individual personal history in the lives of people that God has called us to touch. So where do we start? You say, you know what, I, I want to start. Where do I start? You know, I'm, I've been convicted, Pastor Steve. I need to share my faith. You know what, sharing our faith can be so intimidating, can it? You know, people that are of other religions intimidate us sometimes because we don't know where to start, what to do. You know, we look at some other people who are pretty good at sharing their faith and we feel intimidated by that. So, so where do we start? How do we begin to have a lifestyle of evangelism. Listen to me. Evangelism, write this down somewhere. It's not on your notes, but write it down. Evangelism is not an event. It's a lifestyle. Can you write that down? Evangelism is not an event. It's a lifestyle. Sometimes I think I just make it way too easy for you guys. Because we have these big events and you think, okay, I could bring my friends and let Pastor Steve talk to them about the Lord. Events have their place. Don't get me wrong. I love events. But events never have the same effect and power that a group of hundreds of people in one church can have when they are dispersed to go into the world everywhere and make evangelism a lifestyle in their life every day. Getting up and saying, God, show me who to speak to. So number one, I want you to write this down, and this, this is in your notes, write this down. You start evangelizing and making it a lifestyle by number one, simply walking across the room. You see, we don't have to get on a plane and go across the globe. We don't even have to leave our environment to do evangelism. We just simply have to walk across the room. Bill Hybels has a book called Walk Across the Room when it comes to evangelism. And he tells a story about how he was so deeply moved that a young Muslim man came to know Christ because another young Christian man was at the same party. And the Christian young man saw this Muslim young man in the corner, standing in the corner by himself or maybe with another friend or so. And, and he was with his group of friends and the Holy Spirit spoke to this young Christian individual to get up off the couch and walk across the room and start a conversation with this young Muslim man. As a result, they got to become friends. And this Christian young man led this Muslim to the Lord because he was just simply willing to get up and walk across the room. And friend, the first step in evangelism is to take the first step. Once you take that first step, once you, you get out of your comfort zone, and that's scary. But I, I, I tell you what, it's even, I, I've been doing this for years and years and years. And when I have to go out on the streets and, you know, invite people to an event or I've got to go and share the gospel with somebody, I always still have this kind of like butterfly in my stomach. Like, oh, I hope I don't get rejected. But here's what I find. I find 
If I take that first step and I just simply walk across the room, maybe there's somebody at work tomorrow morning that you're just going to walk across the room and you're not going to just, you know, have a conversation with them. Can I talk to you? I just want you to know, if you don't accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, you're going to die and go to hell. I don't know if that's the right approach. You know, it, the truth is, sometimes we're not wise. And we're going to talk about that in a few moments. But we're not wise because we don't know how and when. We don't know how to say it. We don't know when to say it. And as a result of that, we offend people. And, and sometimes we offend people not because of the gospel, but because we're offensive on how we do it. And so tomorrow, I'm, I'm encouraging you to walk across the room and just say hello to somebody. For some of you, you just have to smile. When's the last time you did that at work? Listen, if you don't smile and you're not happy at work, please don't tell anybody you come to Bethlehem Assembly of God. <laughs> you know, just get up tomorrow morning and, and go, go to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee and walk across the room and say, you know what? Got your cup of coffee today. Have a great day. See, you just start somewhere. Number two... Be filled and led with the Holy Spirit. Be filled and led by the Holy Spirit. You see, evangelism, listen to me, listen to me. We take too much of the responsibility upon ourselves. Evangelism is still a work of the Holy Spirit. And see, the Holy Spirit is already working on some people that you're going to come across in your life. That you're going to be connected with. The Holy Spirit is already speaking to them. He's already convicting them. The Bible says no man can come to the Father but by the Holy Spirit. And so the truth is that we need to be filled. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you, you shall receive power so that you might be my witnesses. He'll bring back to remembrance the things that you learned. you got to learn it, but then he'll bring it back to your remembrance. But it's not enough just to be filled. You have to be led by the Spirit. What do I mean by that? Well, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you who to speak to and who not to speak to. He's going to show you. He's going to guide you. All you have to do is get up in the morning and say, I'm available, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I'm available. I want you to lead me to the right person. Because sometimes we do more harm than good because the Holy Spirit didn't lead us to that. Right now you say we should go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. Yes, that's true. But God is going to set up divine appointments for you tomorrow. You know, the Bible is very clear that he begins to work on people's lives so that you become the person, you become the channel, the conduit. But he's the one doing the work. So you just have to be very in tune with the Spirit. you got to listen. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will say to me, talk to that person. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, keep your mouth shut. You're going to do more harm than good right now. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says, don't tell them about the gospel. Go buy them a cup of coffee so that you can have the next opportunity to share the gospel with them. There have been people that I have known for years. And the Holy Spirit has said to me, you know what, just go in there, love them, love them. Now, I've, I've talked to them about the Lord. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not going to wait years and years. But it's taken time. You know, I'll, I'll go into the baker shop, I'll go into the barber shop, I'll go into the tailor shop, and I'll just become their friend. So number three, we need to build relationships. I'm sorry. Number three, we need to realize that we have different roles to play in people's lives. 
Write that down. We need to realize that we have different roles to play in different people's lives. Hey, listen, here's what the Bible says. Follow me for a minute. I'm going to close in a few moments. Yeah, how many believe that's true? Okay. We, we have different roles to play. Listen, here's what Paul said. Paul said, some plant seeds, right? Listen to me. Some plant seeds. Some water the seed. Some harvest the seed. And so in everybody's life, there are those who plant the seed, water the seed, and harvest the seed. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit to know what your role is in that. You see, some of us, we want to pull up the seed before the seed ever germinates, right? So we go to somebody and say, come on now! Come on, get saved! You're going to go to hell! You've got to get saved! And we try to pull up the root, we pull up the plant before it ever really germinates. We get ahead of God. And we make a mess. You see, you have to have patience. You got to be led by the Spirit. And why do we do that? We do that because we want another notch on our belt. We want to be the ones who led that person to the Lord. But you see, in humility, led by the Holy Spirit, we can know. Sometimes I plant seed. How do I plant the seed? I build a relationship. Get him a cup of coffee. I'm kind. I do something kind. You know what? We've got seeds. Listen to me. We've got seeds all over Valley Stream. Seed. We have laid out seed all over Valley Stream. In fact, I want to encourage you right after the service, just for half an hour, just help us go around the community. Just put them on the doors, these, these little seeds, these packets, candy and an invitation. We've got seeds by the good works we do with ESL and GED and the House of Hope. They're all good seeds that are out there. Seeds. You've got you to be a, a seed sower. Just throw out the seed. Throw out the seed. Throw out the seed. As the Bible says, the farmer goes out and he throws out how much seed? A lot of seed. A lot of seed. And some of the seed, what does it say? Some of the seed falls on good ground. Hmm? See, those are the people that have been prepared. Their hearts are open. You throw the seed out. You throw the seed. You throw the seed. You throw the seed. Some of the seed falls on what? Hardened ground. People don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that. That's nonsense. You know, yesterday we gave, we gave out 200 invitations. Some of the people said, uh, 2,000. Some of the people said, no, I don't want that. But then we had a lot of people say, thank you. One lady, listen, one lady, her eyes lit up. She goes, oh, you're going to have an event? Can I have some more? I want to bring them to my friends and give them out to them. I said, that's good seed. Good seed. So we've got to know, is it time to plant the seed? How do we water that seed? We go back now to those people. And we build and we build on that, that seed that we planted. And then God gives us the harvest. Number four, we develop friendships. You see, everyone who is a pre-Christian, and you see, we have to, look, look at me. Everyone in this room, we've got to learn that everyone in this world is a pre-Christian. See, we can't judge who's going to come to know Christ, who's not going to come to know Christ. Some of the people that we think are the most hardened people are just about to give their life to Christ. And the reason why they're so violently opposed to the gospel is because they're, they're being so convicted by the Holy Spirit that they're fighting, 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 they're fighting. And then they, they give up. But you know, some of them, right before they give up, they're going to fight the hardest. Because you know, some people, they're a minus 10. Some people are minus 5. Some people are minus 3. Some people are minus one. They're right there. 
And all we have to do is walk across the room and reap that harvest. But we have to develop relationships. Do you know why the religious people hated Jesus? Do you know why the Pharisees despised Jesus? Because he hung out with what? He hung out with sinners. It infuriated them. He hung out with sinners. He hung out with people that needed a savior. He hung out with prostitutes. Now listen guys, I wouldn't recommend that you do that without your wife. <laughs> I'm just trying to get a save. Yeah, you're going to get yourself killed. But the reason why they hated Jesus is because he developed relationships. You know, I am convinced that, that, that Jesus didn't always open his mouth. And everywhere he went, he had a track about himself. Here's a track. Here's a track about me. Here's a track about me. Here's a track about me. I think he was so led by the Spirit. And there were some times that he didn't say anything. He just loved people. He cared for people. He fed them and then they asked him the question. You see, but you can't do that without developing a relationship. So next, I want you to write this down. Start small. Listen, Jesus' burden is easy and his yoke is light. You know, we get so stressed out about evangelism. Let me tell you why we're so stressed out about evangelism. Because most of us have learned that evangelism is an event. Or evangelism is that we've got to go and knock somebody over the head with the Bible. And we've got to give them the four spiritual laws of the gospel. And we've got to do it all in one setting. We've got to do it right away. And we've got to do it quickly and we've got to give them everything but that's not evangelism evangelism is that we start to build a relationship with someone and we start small like inviting them over for a barbecue I mean think about it if everyone in this place invited one neighbor over their house for a barbecue first of all you'd have to give them oxygen because most of you you don't even know your neighbors and they're like who are you I can't believe you invited me over that <laughs> You know, I'm going to be honest with you. It's shameful that we don't know our neighbors. I mean, that we, we, we have, God has put us in those neighborhoods to share the gospel, to love people, to show them Christ, and we don't even know who they are. If you don't know your neighbors, shame on you. I know my neighbors. And I'll go and shovel their, 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 their driveways when, when it snows. And I'll make sure that I can be as loving as possible because I'm planting what? Seed. And every time I do something else, I'm what? Watering the seed for the opportunity of the harvest. But you know what? Could you imagine if all of us invited our neighbors over for, for dinner, for a barbecue in the summertime? Oh, Ralphie's barbecuing that, you know, arroz con pollo, hallelujah. Hmm. And Brother Singh is roasting the, the curry chicken man. You know what I mean? Hallelujah. And you have your neighbors together and you're sitting next to the barbecue. And while you're sitting next to the barbecue, you start a dialogue with your neighbor. And you get to know your neighbor. Because the next thing I want you to write down is discover their story. Discover their story. So while you're having people over, non-threatening, hey, come on over for some food. Everybody likes food. What you're doing is discovering their story. 
So they, they start to tell you their story about, you know, things that are going on in their life or just where they came from. And you, you start discerning by the Holy Spirit because you're filled with the Spirit and you've got wisdom and you're hearing their story. Oh, you were divorced. I'm sorry. Oh, you lost somebody in your family. I'm, so, I'm really, really sorry. Oh, you're struggling at your job. I'm, I'm really sorry. And you're putting all of that in your heart and your mind. You're thinking to yourself, you know what? God's going to use me. Because you see, the next thing you need to write down is then it's time to tell your story. Tell them your story. And how many know that we've got some powerful stories in this room? Hey, Ralph, do you have a powerful story about how God saved you? Was your life perfect before God saved you? No, brother, I know you. You are a mess. No, I'm just kidding. How many of you, before you came to Christ, you had some serious issues going on in your life? Maybe around you, in you, whatever. How many of you have faced some really difficult times in your life? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Come on. Now, some of you, you're breaking the commandments again. Thou shalt not lie. And how many of you have seen the precious hand of Jesus in your life through the difficult times in your life? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Oh my gosh. You have to tell your story. Because listen to me, there's nothing more powerful than your story. Some of you have gone through incredible divorces in your life and Jesus came into your life and rescued you from a broken heart. You've got a story. Some of you were businessmen who had everything going for yourself, but your heart was hollow. And you have a story. It's just like the woman that Jesus met at the well. Jesus came and filled her empty heart and she ran to town and she said, come and hear what Jesus did in my life. The greatest thing you have to offer somebody is a story of what God did in your life. Before... How and the result of it. Say that with me. Before, how, and the result of it. Before, you know what? Before I knew God in my life, before I committed myself to God, man, I was a mess. I was depressed. But you know, I, I came to realize that God loves me. And you got that little gospel message and you put it in there somehow, but God loves me. And he showed me that he has a plan for my life. And so I, I gave my life to Jesus. I asked him to forgive me of my sins. And he gave me eternal life as a free gift. And man, I'm telling you, it's put a peace in my life that I've never had before. Leave your story right there with them. Let them start. Let, let it marinate a little. While you're marinating that chicken on the barbecue, let that marinate a little bit in their hearts. Tell your story. Because you've got a powerful story. And lastly, remember, being is critical to effective evangelism. Listen to me. Being is more important than doing. What do I mean by that? You got to act like a Christian before somebody's going to want what you have. I want to read this last scripture to you. I'm going to close right here. Danny, come on up. Start playing the piano and they'll feel better. Listen, listen, listen. Colossians 4. Colossians 4. Verse 2. Listen, listen what it says. 
Devote yourself to prayer. Listen. Devote yourself to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. And pray for us too. That God, listen to me. Don't, 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 don't move the slide yet. That God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray, listen, that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation, listen, look, look at me. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So I want you to write this down. Number one, be prayerful. Listen to me. Prayer and evangelism go hand in hand. When you're praying, when you're opening yourself up to the Holy Spirit, He's guiding you. And He's leading you to the person that you need to share or build a relationship with. Number two, be thankful. Is it watchful? Be watchful. What does it mean to be watchful? It means just look out for opportunities. Be watchful for those opportunities. Number three, go to the next slide. Be thankful. You know, let me tell you something. There's nothing more attractive to someone else when a Christian is thankful. When a Christian is thankful for what they have. They're not complainers. You know, I, I have a neighbor. I see her mostly in the morning. She comes out of her house. She's got a dog about this big. And she comes out of the house. And she says, like every time I see her, she reminds me. Isn't the weather miserable? I mean, it could be a beautiful summer day. It's like, it's too hot. If it's spring, it's too chilly. If it's winter, it's too cold. And she, every time I see her, the first comment, the first thing that comes out of her mouth is, isn't this miserable weather getting to you? And I had put a smile on my face and I go, no. <laughs> I'm so glad. In the wintertime, I tell her, well, if I was in Florida right now, I'd be boiling hot. In the summertime, I say, if I, <laughs> if I wasn't here right now, I wouldn't be enjoying the weather. And you know what? It's just like being thankful. You know, being thankful is so attractive. And, and you know, there are times when, I, when I'm with my neighbors and I just say, I just, I'm, just so, I'm just so thankful. My kids are good. My life is good. My life is good. You see, being positive is attractive to other people. So be thankful. Next slide. Be clear. You know, Paul the Apostle said that I might be clear in the gospel. When we learn it, when we get it, we can be clear. Next slide. Be wise. The Bible says, a wise man winneth souls. Be wise in the time, the way that you approach people. Next slide. Be ready. Just be ready. Let's stop getting so absolutely afraid of evangelism. Just be ready. That's all. Let, him, let it happen. Let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you. And just be ready. Yeah, there are times when you have to go out. 
like right after the service and plant seeds, but be ready. That's all. Just be ready. Say, I'm, I'm, I'm ready, God, for whatever. Next slide. And be gracious. You know what Paul says? But when you're dealing with people, be gracious. Can, can I be honest with you? When you're evangelizing people, I know some of you are not going to like this, but I'm going to say it. Don't be a jerk. Because let me tell you something. Too many Christians are offending people because they're just not being wise and gracious about the gospel. They don't want to hear it. Don't get out your big family Bible and hit them over the head. Be gracious about it. Step back and pray that the seed that you have sown be confident that the words that you have given, that the love that you have shown is going to make a difference in their life. And let the Holy Spirit be Lord over their lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you raised every one of us up to be evangelists. God, help us to know, Lord God, that Time is short. Time is short. And Father, today I pray that you would put a sense of urgency in our heart. Lord, that, that we would not overstep our bounds, but that we would know when it's time to plant, and the time to water, and a time to harvest. That we would be led by the Holy Spirit, and that we would begin with simply building relationships, friendships, so that we'll have an opportunity to just simply share the story. And maybe you're here this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. And you say, Pastor, I'm not certain that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life and be my Lord and my Savior. I want you to raise your hand right now. I want to give you that opportunity. I want to pray for you. Anybody here? Just say, Pastor, pray for me. Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else in this place? Just say, Pastor, yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? Say, Pastor, I don't know if I'm right with God. I don't know if I die to go to heaven. And I want Jesus to come into my life. Anybody else? God bless you for that hand. God bless you for that hand. Anybody else? Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? God bless you. Well, I'd like everybody to stand right now. And um, I'm not going to give an altar call today as far as Christians are concerned. If you raised your hand, if you raised your hand, look at me. Please, no moving around. If you raised your hand, say, you know what, I, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I need some altar workers to come. And as soon as the service is over and I dismiss everybody, if you raised your hand, I want you to come. I want to pray with you. The altar workers want to pray with you and give you some information about how you can have a relationship with God. So I want you to come out of your seat. And if you didn't raise your hand but you want some information, we've got some information for you that we want you to read so that you can be sure that you have peace with God. And that if you died, you'd go to heaven. So if you raised your hand, let me be clear. Come forward after we dismiss. And these workers here will give you some information so that you can start your journey. 
But you know, Pastor Steve, he's got to make it a little easy for you when it comes to evangelism. And so how many of you in this church, let me see your hands now. How many of you love your church? How many of you love your church? How many of you are bold enough to tell other people that you love your church? Let me see your hands. Oh, not as many this time. <laughs> Lots. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to issue, I'm going to give you a dare. I'm going to dare you to take one of these signs. And it says, I love my church. How many of you love your church? Say, I love my church. And I'm going to encourage you to take this sign. Now you see it says, I love my church. I want them to, to come a little closer to see the name of the church. <laughs> and the phone number. And I want you to take this and put it on your lawn at your house. And tell everybody you love your church. We're just giving you another opportunity to reach out to people. So... Let's have a word of prayer. And Gabrielle is going to be in the back. She's going to give you one of these signs. She's going to give you the stand that goes with it. We didn't put the stand on the sign. Please don't do it in the church. Because we don't want you to poke your wife's eyes out on the way to the car. Alright? So you're going to get a sign. You're going to get a stand. You're going to go home. You're going to pray over it. You're going to put it on your lawn. And when people ask you what church you go to. You could say, I go to the best church in the whole wide world. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that you would help us to recognize that evangelism is a lifestyle. God, put it in our spirits, Lord. There's people that are dying. There's people that are dying to know. And there's people that need to, to live a different life. And we have the answer. God, I pray you make us bold. You make us strong. And you make us determined to follow the commandment. To go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, have a great day. I love you guys. Have a wonderful day.